Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Father Juan Tran. Father, welcome. Thank you, Rick. And as we do every time that we have a priest on, if you would be so kind as to open us up with a word of prayer, I'm sure listening audience would deeply appreciate that. Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We give you thanks, loving God, for all your goodness, especially for giving us Mary as our mother and our model. And as today we celebrate the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, we ask for her intercession and we look to her and to imitate her qualities so as to grow in the fullness of grace that you have in store for our, for each of us. And we ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us now and on our listeners and help us be open and docile to your will in our lives so that we may respond like the Blessed Virgin Mary, to respond perfectly out of love for you and out of faith so that we may, may please you in all that we do and become your instruments in our, in our world to be your presence and your love and, and to build your kingdom on earth. So we ask you to bless uh, all of us as we pray the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. All angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Now, you mentioned that we're recording this on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, but we're planning to broadcast this at least the first time on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. This is a very Marian show. It just so happens that the main reason we thought to bring you on today is because of the book you recently wrote, which comes out from Sophia Press called The Imitation of Mary, Keys to Growth in Virtue and Grace. And this is not a light book. This is a this is a fairly hefty book. It looks like it's 300-plus pages Father, you put a lot of time, effort, and energy into this. I did. It took me uh, three years to write it, Rick. Oh. And, um, you know, being, uh, being... This sounds like my dissertation I'm writing. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, you know, being a full-time priest, working at the parish, and also working at the diocese as well, yeah. um, I, I actually used all my vacation time during the last three years to write this book. But uh, but it's been, a, it's been a gift. It's been a gift to me, and it's, it's been a, a labor of love. And I, I hope that it, it bears much fruit. Well, and this is appropriate for us to think about this, especially as we're also in Advent, and Advent is the preparation for the coming of Christ, of course, through Mary. And it's actually through Mary and Joseph in that the angel Gabriel announces to Mary, it's clear that Mary's already betrothed, which from a certain perspective means that they're already a family, which means that we're already called into a special relationship with Mary even through our Advent season, even through Christ himself. So the there are many books out there on Mary. What struck me about this book is that it's, in a way, not really about Mary so much as it's on her response and our imitation of that response to Jesus. Right. Originally, I, um, you know, I titled this book Fullness of Grace, and the subtitle was How to Imitate Mary to Grow in Abundance of God's Gifts. As you may know, I have a ministry called Fullness of Grace, which I started about three years ago when I first came up with this idea, doing a lot of spiritual reading and also uh, a lot of prayer and, and having a desire to grow in grace and to grow in holiness. I've kind of narrowed down 12 qualities of Mary that can help us to, to, to grow in, in grace. And these qualities are, are universal qualities. They, they really are actual Qual the same qualities of Jesus himself and the same qualities that the saints practice too. But in this book, I, I, I speak about Mary in particular because she is the, the most perfect of all disciples and God gave her to us. Jesus gave her to us, you know, to be our mother and our model. And so I, I look at her, look at her qualities, how she responded to grace. 
and and her responses were perfect. You know, we know that Mary had free will. You know, her her she had complete free will, but she chose to respond in a way that uh, merited her more graces, if you will, or uh, so that she achieved the fullness of grace. And I understand, you know, from reading that a lot of us pass up on a lot of graces because of our failure to respond adequately. As you may know, Rick, that grace is a gift that requires a response in order to bear fruit. It's not something we just sit back and receive automatically. No, it's something we receive, but we have to do something with it. God gives us a grace to do something. And when we do, when we do respond, then he gives us uh, more graces, greater graces, um, so that we may really accomplish what it is that God wants us to accomplish. And, and most of it is to make us holy, uh, to make us, to bring us closer to himself, uh, to prepare us for heaven. One of the things that struck me, and we were talking before the show began and, and looking at some of our the commonalities that we have a little bit of, I was telling you about my background from St. Joseph Radio. Well, you had run into St. Joseph Radio before you'd become a priest, and then you had converted over, and I had converted over from being a Protestant. One of the things I, I noted when I became Catholic was how much more pronounced the physical and spiritual relationship with God is in the Catholic Church. When you're in a, in a faith system where it's only faith alone is all you really need, you still want to live your life out the best you can. Protestants do the best they can to live out their lives. But from a Catholic perspective, there's an acknowledgement of its necessity. There's an acknowledgement that we need to embrace our physical world in holiness and we do that by trying by trusting that God would give us the graces to do so if if we rise to the occasion he will rise raise us up it's kind of a both and and i see that in this book as i'm looking at the table of contents you've got 12 chapters and a conclusion uh, along with an introduction and those 12 chapters are those 12 corresponding uh, attributes of mary that you were talking about just a moment ago let me go over these for just a moment Real quick, humility is chapter one, then confidence in God, love of God, union with God, then gratitude and praise to God, then joy in the Lord, docility to God's will, love of neighbor, abandonment to divine providence, mortification, desire and efforts and holiness, and then finally, sacraments. Interesting. So as we're looking through here, in a way, it's a it's quite a progression, but in another way, each one of these seems to be a, a subject unto itself. When you pick up this book, for those of us who, who look at this and say, wow, 300 pages, is this a book that I can just pick up? And if I want to, to deal with my need to, to perfect my love of neighbor, can I just go to that chapter and start reading? Or do I really need to start at the beginning and work my way through? No, you can, uh, because you can just... Uh, read whatever chapter that you're drawn to, um, because you, you know, you don't have to read from the beginning to the end. Even though there is a natural prog- progression, but, um, it's not necessary. But I do recommend that you read, uh, the introduction first, because in the introduction I talk about grace, you know, the different types of graces, how, how grace works, and, because a lot of times, you know, people throw that word around, yeah. like, like they know. Well, what let's talk about that. What, what is grace and how are you using that word in this book? Sure. I look to the catechism. I look to the church to help me. Um, That's a good place to go. <laughs> to, to help me define it and understand Carlos it. Carlos his catechism. <laughs> right. And so the catechism tells us that grace is a gift from God, an invitation to uh, respond to his call to become his children and to uh, enter into his life and his love. So I, I, broke, I break it down into three elements. The first is the gift. The second is the response. And the third is the fruit, right? Okay. Um, Let's talk about each of those. Then. Sure. So the gift. So God gives us these gifts, the grace, and, and, um, because he, he wants us to do something with it. I want to use an example that I, that I use in a footnote in the book is that if, um, have you ever gone sailing, Rick? A long time ago. Okay. So let's just say the wind is the grace. Okay. Or, or the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit we also know is the, the breath of God and the wind as well. And the Holy Spirit gives us the grace. So we're sitting in a boat. God wants to lead us to heaven, lead us to himself, lead us to holiness. So he gives us the wind, the grace. But, but what do we have to do if we want the, the boat to move in the direction that God is guiding us? You have to put the sails right. Cause I remember from that time sailing with my friend that, uh, his father wasn't always so good at doing that, and I learned a whole new language that came from it. 
Because he wasn't working with the wind the way that the wind was really blowing. Is that where you're going? Exactly, from? exactly. Is that, yeah, you can't just sit there and sip your Mai Tai or whatever, right? You, you have, <laughs> you have to pay attention to the wind. You have to unfurl the sails yeah. and then you have to adjust the sails accordingly in order to go in a certain direction. So that's our part. And that's the kind of the basis for this whole book is that what we can do, how we can respond to God's grace in order to achieve what it is that God wants us to achieve. And it's all for our good. It's for our eternal salvation, for our holiness, and for the good of the church. So God gives us the win, and then you said number two, the reception. We receive it by putting our sails up in as appropriate an angle as possible, and then the, the fruits are the boat being guided toward God's safe harbor. Exactly. Wow. Right. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Okay, Father. So when we're when we're working with this book, then we're primarily looking at grace, which is so appropriate because, of course, that's the title for Mary, it's really her name, is Kekaratomene, the one who has been and continues to be filled with grace. So she's the grace and filled one, and so we are to be grace and filled. Right. And so, I, you know, we know that Mary had free will. She has free will, that nothing was forced upon her. And that um, even, you know, at the, at the very beginning, at the Annunciation, right, God wanted her consent, uh, asked for her consent. And so she could have said no. Yeah. She could have said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not too sure about this thing. <laughs> you know, go find somebody else. No, but she responded, yes, her fiat, right? Let, Let it be, be done, done to, me. to me according to thy word. And not, not only is it a one-time response, but as you know, you know, throughout her whole life on earth here, you know, she had to say yes to God. You know, with the suffering, you know, going to Bethlehem in the in the middle of her pregnancy, in the middle of winter, and uh, giving birth in a manger, and and uh, you know, fleeing to Egypt, and and so on, and and all the suffering, and and you know, seeing Jesus undergoing his passion and death, she had to say yes. God, your will be done. And so she, she really is a model of how to respond. You know, there, this brings me back to a passage when I think there was a lady that said to Jesus, he, she said, you know, blessed is the womb that carried you and the breast that nursed you, referring to his mother. But uh, how did he respond? Well, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. In other words, he's saying Mary isn't blessed because she is his mother, but she is blessed because she does the will of God always responding perfectly, keeping the word of God, being true and faithful to God. And so I, I look at her, I, I, I look at Mary, I look at her words, I look at what she does in, in, in scripture and in tradition, and I say, okay, she's responding perfectly. These are her qualities, these are her dispositions that we are all called to learn and to imitate so that we too may receive the, the fullness of grace that God has in store for each of us. I think I, I mentioned to you, I'm not sure it was before our show, but, um, you know, that many of us pass up the graces that God wants to give us. And in this book, I try to help us to uh, respond in a way so that we may receive everything that God wants to give us. We, we actually get, catch all the winds with the sails we have. Wow. We are talking with Father Quan Tran, who has written a new book, The Imitation of Mary. And this is actually an engagement of how to grow in holiness to the reception of the graces that God wants to give us, just as Mary did. When we come back, I'm going to ask Father to guide us through a little bit of the book itself. Uh, it's got 12 major chapters, and each one of them is, is golden, and we will go over that when we return. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today is Father Quan Tran, who is the author of the new book, The Imitation of Mary, Keys to Growth in Virtue and Grace, and that's out through Sophia Press. And we've been talking primarily about grace so far and about how we are invited to receive grace, how we receive it, and then the fruits that come from it. And that's all really kind of an introduction to this book, not the book itself. So I want to get into the book a, a little bit. We are in the middle of Advent at the time of this recording, and this is a time where we're anticipating the coming of Christ, but if you think about it, this is really a Marian season. It's a season about Mary. Mary is with child. Mary is traveling, Las Posadas. We've got Mary coming to the cave, if, if that's if the Protovangelion of James is right, and gives birth. And then we have all of the other stories that go along with that. But the primary focus, really, that we're able to see is Mary 
pregnant with child at this time. Mary, who received the grace of God and now is bearing the Son of God. As we go through Advent, this seems to be a very appropriate time to think about the graces that God is inviting us to carry, to receive, and to to grow with. So your book begins with the chapter on humility. Wow, what an appropriate comment for Mary. You know, let it be done to be according to your frame, to your word. So we know that, uh, you know, that's one of the main qualities or attributes or virtue of Mary is humility. And we know that from, from her words, from her mouth, you know, how she refers to herself as the lowly handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. She's always there to serve. She doesn't think too, too highly of herself. She doesn't uh, have a huge ego. Uh, she's just a lowly handmaid of the Lord, the one who is, who is a slave, who is a servant. And a lot of times, you know, people don't understand what humility is. A lot of times people think humility is not even a, a virtue that they should acquire. Uh, our secular world speaks of humility in uh, sort of uh, weakness, nothing really to be desired. But G- even Jesus himself said, learn from me, take after me, for I am meek and humble of heart. And Mary is the most perfect of all disciples, and, and she embodies humility. And so the spiritual writers tell us that if we don't have humility, we're not going to grow in the other virtues. And and that's my point with, with responding. If we respond, because God wants us to be humble, because why? Because he wants to lift us up. And that's what Mary says. God lifts up the lowly, and he lowers the, the proud. He casts them away. And so God wants to give us more graces, more virtues. Um, but, but we need humility to start, because if we're proud, he's gonna he's not going to contribute to our sin, to, to our pride. So he's going to hold back on the graces. Um, and so humility is, is essential if we are to grow in the spiritual life. My understanding, limited as it is, my understanding of humility isn't so much then that there aren't good things going on in our lives. And it's not that we're not doing good things. It's that the reason good things are going on in our lives is because God is empowering us to do it. It's God's fault <laughs> that things are going well, or it's God's fault that we're able to have a good a good radio broadcast, or it's God's fault that we're able to write a good book. It doesn't mean we're not writing a good book. It doesn't mean we're not doing a good radio broadcast. It means if things are going well, it's it's all to the grace and glory of God. Right. Sorry, I didn't get a chance to define uh, humility. Um, but yes, humility, the way I define it, you know, based on my readings, is that St. Teresa of Avila says humility is truth. And the truth of who we are and who God is. Uh, once we know that, we know that we are his creatures, that we are limited, that we are weak, that we are sinful, and that we are completely dependent on God for everything, and that he is our creator, and that without him we can do nothing. So, of course, we acknowledge the good the good in us and the good that we can do, but we give credit where credit is due. It is by God's grace that we're able to do what we, we, we do and, and to able to, to even des- desire the good. Um, it, it's a grace from God. And so when, when we acknowledge our fallen human nature, our need and our complete dependence on God for everything, then he, you know, is more freely to work in our lives because he knows that it's not going to go to our head, that we're not going to take credit for it um, because because that's wrong, because it's not true. Um, so humility isn't beating yourself up, though there are times when we perhaps deserve to self-indict on things we, that we've done that have been selfish. We usually call that sin. <laughs> and therefore, thank you, Lord, for the grace of, of confession. I deeply appreciate it. But humility has to do with knowing Many things can be going very right in our lives, but don't get too big ahead. It's not your fault. Uh, you're cooperating. That's a good thing. But God's the one who's behind it. God's doing it. Giving credit where credit is due. God is the one who's behind all the good things that are going on in our world. Right. And, and, Mary, and Mary says that, right? The, the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. And so she gives credit to God. You know, Elizabeth, you know, uh, said to her, how is it that the mother of my Lord came to me? She starts to sing her Magnificat. You know, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And so she never takes credit for anything. She gives credit to, to God alone. Your second chapter is on confidence in God. And it's interesting that it follows from humility. And now I understand better why it would follow from humility, because humility is, again, isn't a beating up of yourself. It's acknowledgement that God is the one behind whatever successes are going on in your world. Therefore, have confidence in God, because God is the one who is in charge. Is that 
essentially where you're going from? Right. It's the other side of humility, because without confidence in God, uh, life would be very depressing. <laughs> if, I mean, if it's right, if it's just about us and we're so weak and limited yeah. and sinful, then then, you know, it's easy to fall into de- a depression. But on the other side of humility is that God is all powerful. He's all loving and he's filled with goodness. And so it's sort of the um, like St. Therese of Lisieux for, for one example, yeah. the little way, right? Yeah. She knows that she's weak. She's limited. She can't even go very far without falling. And so she needs God to pick her up and to carry her and to love her. And, and so she, she has this complete trust in God. She said the more she acknowledges her weaknesses and dependence on him, the more he will work and act in her life. And so and a lot of times Jesus will say in the Bible, too, before healing, a lot of times he'll tell somebody, you know, it's your faith that has saved you. It was your faith that healed you. And then conversely, if you remember when he was in his hometown, the people said, well, wait, isn't he the son of Joseph? Isn't he the son of Mary? Who does he think he is? And then it said something that he was not able to perform many miracles because of their lack of faith, because of their lack of faith. And so likewise with us, the more we trust and have faith and confidence in God, the more he will act in our life. Um, but the, the more we doubt and, and, and have a lack of faith, then he will not um, act so much. It's very interesting as you look at the story of Jesus. He, when he grew up, he hung around Capernaum uh, at the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and everyone knew him. and And he he wasn't able to do much there. Not until he goes out and starts preaching and teaching along the Jordan River, really, and then down toward uh, Jerusalem, do we really get a whole bunch of of people having faith in this man who is talking about God? And it turns out that. What he's talking about is the reception of the graces you were talking about, that God has come, therefore have have faith, therefore have joy, therefore have all of the graces because he's come. You then talk about the love of God. So I, I find it interesting, this progression of a proper understanding of humility, to have confidence in God as, as, as you put it, the other side of the coin of humility, kind of the obverse and the reverse, and then the love of God. How do you define love of God? in your in your chapter how do you describe it what do you do with this right i use what saint paul said you know saint paul said that whatever you do do it for the glory of god and um you know mother teresa speaks about this too and the the other saints speak about it too and they say you know you we don't have to do great things do big things just do little things with great love so whatever we do just like this radio show broadcasting right now you know we try to do our best for the, for his glory and you know, when I wrote the book too, you know, there were, were there were times when I didn't want to write the book when it was difficult. Uh, but still, I, I I did my best for His glory. You know, not so much for my you know my glory, but for His glory. And so that's and that's what Mary did. You know, she tried to live her life perfectly for His glory, for His honor. And so that's what we try to do. Uh, that's what it means. That's what it looks like to love to love God. You know, when we love somebody, we want to please them. We want to glorify them. We want to make them happy. We never want to disappoint them. And so whatever we do, we do our best you, using all our skills, using all our graces and our gifts for the glory of God. You know, the saints speak about two things that they live for, the glory of God and the salvation of souls. The glory of God and the salvation of souls. Everything they do, they do for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. That's also the motto for the Jesuits too, right? For the greater glory of God. Yeah. And so that's what it looks like to love God. So the way that you're using love here is, is interesting because it's it's not a very American cultural understanding of love where love is primarily a feeling. You you start with a feeling. You want to love, to please God, but it has follow-through. Is that faith and follow-through or faith? What we would say in salvation, faith and works, this is faith and follow-through in that you want to love God and then you do things to love God. If I say I love my wife and I, I don't take out the garbage from time to time or bring her roses every once in a while and make sure that she's able to have her Internet when she's working online and all the normal little things that happen, the, the love isn't going to grow. I can have a lot of want. That doesn't mean it's going to actually happen. Right. As you know, Rick, you know, talk is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyone could say I do. <laughs> right. Anybody can say that. Anybody can say, you know, God, I love you. But then what does he say to us? He said, prove it. Show me. I mean, it has to be revealed. It has to be demonstrated in in our life, in our choices. And so this is this is a way for us to show and to reveal and demonstrate to God our love for him. Then you talk after the love of God, you talk about union with God. Now, this sounds very mystical. 
that almost Teresa of Avila type of of encounter. Is that where you're going with this? What do you mean by union with God? Right. I started with a recollection. You know, as you may know, in our world today, it's really hard to be recollected. We have so many distractions, so many uh, things going on. And so God wants us to be, to, to ultimately to, to be one with him in mind, heart, and soul. And that's how Mary is throughout the New Testament. We hear about Mary, you know, pondering the things of God in her heart. She's an, uh, an active contemplative, uh, if you will, right? But at the same time, she would ponder, think, meditate, pray. You know, even that uh, with the Annunciation, many times the, the, the depiction of the Annunciation in a painting, Mary is on her knees praying when the angel Gabriel comes to her. So this is one thing that I'm asking us to, to cultivate is this recollection, this quiet prayer kind of um, attitude uh, so, so that we may be united to the Lord in prayer, in love, and, and ultimately we, to grow in union because, you, you know, you've heard of the, the three stages of the spiritual life, right? The, uh, the first is the, the purgative, the second is the illuminative, and the third is the unitive. You know, we're all called to this union with God, uh, but, it, but it starts with, with recollection, with prayer, and, and uniting ourselves to God, his will, his love, and mind. We are talking with Father Quan Tran, who has written the book, The Imitation of Mary, Keys to Growth and Virtue and Grace. And we've been talking about just the first couple of chapters. We're only through the first hundred pages. <laughs> We're dealing all the way up from humility and confidence in God to love of God and union with God. When we come back, I want to talk through a little bit more about the gratitude and joy of the Lord and how this Marian book can help us to truly find great joy, even in times that seem to be difficult, even among COVID-19, we can still find great joy in God. And we're going to talk with Father Quan Tran about how when we return. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, in beautiful Garden Grove, California, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Father Quan Tran. I never asked you, Father. Do you go by Father Quan or Father Tran? I usually go by Father Tran, but a lot of people call me Father Quan, and I respond to that as well. <laughs> Especially if it's around dinner time. We'll go ahead yes. and get that. Father has written a book, and this is not just a lightweight book. We'll see a lot of, oh, I don't want to call them fluff books because some of them are really very good when they're small, but this is a 300-pager. But it, each chapter, well, as you said, as long as you read the introduction, each chapter has a quality that can be meditated on, that can be read unto itself. And we've been talking about the first couple of chapters, which start with humility and end with the union with God. Going into chapters 5 and 6 are very interesting, because chapter 5 talks about gratitude and praise to God. And gratitude and praise to God, this is with your eyes wide open and knowing all of the issues that come with our lives. That includes pain and suffering and other issues, doesn't it? So when we're talking about gratitude to God, we're actually thanking God for everything. Right, and that's what St. Paul tells us, yeah. right? In all things, in all circumstances, give thanks to God, right? That's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> this this year, it's been a hard one to do. So tell me, Father, what does this book tell me <laughs> about developing gratitude well, first of all, the, the, uh, I, I entitled it Gratitude and Praise to God, and, and that's really important because I think in our, in our secular culture, we hear a lot about gratitude in general, you know, that is to be grateful for what you have, just be grateful for those around you, and be grateful because it, it, it makes you feel good. It's a positive thing. It's a positive thing, but they never talk about to be grateful to God, to be, gra- you know, to, who, who, are, who is it that we're grateful for? And even if we're grateful for our spouse or our neighbor or whatever, but ultimately that leads to God, yeah. right? Because uh, St. James tells us, you know, all good things come from the Father of light from above. All good things come from, from him. And so we, we, we fail to go back to the source of all that is good, all that's good in our life, in, in our relationships, in our world. 
And, and there are many good things. You know, sometimes we tend to just look at the negative. I admit, you know, 2020 has been rough and it is rough, but there's been so many blessings as well. And so sometimes we can be so consumed with all the negative and uh, things that, that we fail to look at the positive. I mean, like, like today, I mean, it's a beautiful day in Orange County. I mean, we're alive. We're, we're walking around. We're doing this show. We're reading this book and we're celebrating the, the feast of the Immaculate Conception. There's so many good things here. Right. And we fail to, to see that. And so we should be grateful to God for, for all that we have and all that we are. Um, because Mary is always grateful to God. We, we hear that this again from her Magnificat. And we should develop this quality. And the, and the saints know this, right? They're, they're always grateful to God, um, for, for, for everything, you know, including the, the things that are difficult, including challenges. And, uh, because they're given to us out of love, Rick. Believe it or not, you know, and, and maybe I'm jumping ahead here uh, to um, abandonment to divine providence. But but ultimately, nothing happens without God's permission. St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine tell us this, that everything is under his, his providence. And if he allows it to happen, it is his intention to bring about a greater good. I remember going to confession with a very good priest that for a while was a spiritual director before he went back to the Philippines. And I remember sharing with him about some of these things that had happened in my life and in my children's life. I have a, a, an adult child now who, during high school years, eight years ago, developed chronic head pain that has never gone away, and the doctors don't know what to do about it. And I remember this priest telling me, God has so richly blessed you with these things. <laughs> I said, what, Father? He said, do you realize the graces that God is giving you to endure these things that is so good for your soul? Quick story about Thanksgiving. So this daughter who has had head pain, she's therefore been home mostly alone for the last eight years or so. And we were going on the table and she said, I have a, we would always get to say, what are we thankful for this year? She said, COVID-19. And everyone around the table looked at her. Not that I want any of the issues and problems that have come, but it means my family's been home with me. And people don't think about it from the other side, but there have been for all of the problems and pains and deaths and, and horrors that have happened, there have also been good and people who have searched their soul and people who have been brought to a reckoning and a reality, people who've had to stop chasing whatever it is they've been chasing and ask the question, what do I really believe about my life? What's important? Right. I mean, I, I see the fruits of COVID-19, you know, I think um, it helps us to be humble again. You know, we realize that we're limited, that, that there are things beyond our control and that so we need to turn to God. And many people do during this pandemic. Many people have turned to God. They've reexamined their lives. They, they've reprioritized their lives and they've grown in faith. They've sought the Lord. It's not to denigrate the suffering that's gone on or the deaths that have happened, but one of the things that John Paul taught us by living out his ailments all the way to his death and publicly allowed us to see him do that was the value of life itself, even up to the very end. Uh, there, There is no reason for euthanasia because you don't know not only what you might learn from that last bit of reckoning, but the people who are caring for you, the people who, who see you, the people who encounter their own mortality by seeing yours. You don't know what that does for them. Exactly. I mean, we just look to Jesus and Mary, and we can see the value of suffering. What Jesus went through was horrible. You know, God being crucified and tortured and killed. Um, but out of that, we all have eternal life, uh, access to eternal life. And Mary, too, underwent so much suffering. And that brought a lot of graces for, for her and for us. So, yes, a lot of times we have to understand. And uh, I think Isaiah tells us, or God tells us through Isaiah, you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So high above are my thoughts and your ways. And so, of course, we're very limited, Rick, and we can't even pretend to, to grasp exactly why things happen the way they do. Um, but this is when our, our faith needs to kick in. And God is asking us to have faith in me, to trust in me. You know, sometimes we can't see, you know, the good things that come out of it, but sometimes we can't. Sometimes we can only see them in the next life. But we know that God gives us sufficient grace. You know, St. Paul tells us three times he asked God to take the thorn from his flesh and three times the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. 
So know that we are receiving many graces during these uh, trying times, and that uh, and that God is manifesting His power in us. I'm still part of that gossip group that wants to know what that thorn was that Paul was suffering from. But anyway, that's someday I'll ask him uh, if I get to heaven. Joy in the Lord. You know, we kind of were talking a little bit about suffering, but that gratitude and praise to God, even in the midst of what seem to be difficulties, we still see the love of God present. But you have a whole chapter on the joy of the Lord. What's what is that focused on? Right. So joy is deeper than just you know a happy-go-lucky attitude. You know, we we all have different temperaments. Some of us are very you know easygoing, happy-go-lucky. Others, I, like for myself, I, I have the melancholic uh, temperament. So I tend to be you know more serious and introspective. Sober. And, <laughs> right. Sober. <laughs> right. But this joy is not. I'm, I'm not talking about temperaments or having a good day or whatever. No, this is a deep, abiding joy. That comes from our union with God, our our love of God, our our knowledge of Him, and this is something that that cannot be taken away from us. And Jesus said, you know, I I have told you this basically about His relationship with the Father, and that it's this uh, same union that He would like to have with us, right? He says, "Remain in Me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit." Just as I remain in the Father and have life because of Him, so remain in Me, so that you may have life. And I have told you this so that your joy may be full and be complete and so he wants us to give us his joy rick it's so you can imagine god is perfect so the joy of the holy trinity is perfect just imagine that love and that joy between the father and the son and the holy spirit that's perfect bliss and jesus wants to share that joy with us when we know him and share in his life and his love and the saints and mary regardless of what happens in real life and in in the outer circumstances of life they have that abiding joy because they are united to the lord in in life and in love this comes down to kind of the docility to god's will i I look at mary when she said yes i'll lay a dollar to donuts she had a plan for her life she was going to get married she was going to have a family she was going to do her normal first century jewish thing and God had a, a different plan of which God has a plan for each one of us. You want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. <laughs> but the, the docility to the Lord, what is that about in, in how Mary responded? Right. So we know that Mary also always said yes to God, regardless of um, the circumstances, the suffering. Um, she was there to do his will. And so that's something that we, too, should do if we are to gain more graces, is that God will lead us to certain things. You know, he's, he's got plans for us, like you say. And But a lot of times we have our own agenda. We have our own uh, story that we want to write. But God has, in a way, has written our life for us, our story, our vocation, if you will. And so the way I look at it is that I think God is the, the writer, right? He's the author, we are the character, or he is the d- director, the scriptwriter, and we are the actors. And the, the more we cooperate with him, the better the script will turn out. You know, actors can fight against the director and want to change the script and, you know, take out this character or take out this scene or whatever, but then they won't turn out as well. Um, so our whole life is, is a beautiful story. It's a beautiful movie. A drama, a comedy, a thriller, whatever. It's, it's so exciting when, when we, when we see the will of God, uh, revealed in our life. You know, every day is, is, is a new day. It's unexpected. Just like today, just like a, a week ago, I didn't know this was going to happen, yeah. <laughs> right? And so this is a blessing. And I'm, I'm not sure what this afternoon is going to hold and, and tomorrow and so on. And the, and the thing is, yeah, if, if we are just docile like Mary is responding to God's grace, then he will lead us to where we, uh, would not be able to go on our own. We've been talking about our relationship with Christ. It's been kind of a focus on ourselves. Your chapter 8 talks, though, suddenly, love of neighbor, kind of shocking us out of this. We've been developing this love relationship with, with Christ, love of neighbor. How does that fit into where Mary was going? Right. And as you know, Rick, that, you know, basically Jesus says, if you love me, then love my brothers and sisters. Right. Love, you know, whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do for me. And so this leads uh, follows from docility to God's will is that he will prompt us to do good acts for others, to do acts of love for others, to, uh, to practice charity for others. And this is how we demonstrate, ultimately demonstrate our love for him. But I, I wanted this to, to be later on, because as you may know, there are a lot of atheists out there who do good work. 
You know, they, they, they do charitable work, they do atheists, but they don't believe in God and, and, and so on. And so their work has less value, less merit in God's eyes. But our, our love of neighbor should flow from our love and union and, and gratitude to God. Uh, what I know about God for all his blessings and, and experiencing all his joy. Now I want to share that with others. What I have found with people who don't believe in God, who still believe in kind of a, a social justice ethic, is that they're acting out of a fear because God doesn't exist, therefore I have to do it. And what I find from Christians doing it is they're acting out of a joy because God has given me the power to act on his behalf and do it. Very different act. It may result in the same jacket being given out or food being distributed, but for a whole different set of reasons and with a whole different set of of graces involved. When we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about how you conclude this. And we talked a little bit about mortification and uh, abandonment to divine providence. And then at the very end, you bring in, of course, sacraments. So, Father, we have one more segment to go. Those of you who are listening, we're talking to Father Quan Tran. He wrote a book, The Imitation of Mary, and we will conclude it when we return. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today has been, and continues to be, Father Quan Tran. And before I go any further, I want to, first of all, thank you, Father, for coming in. Uh, you've been busy with your own apostolate. It's called the Fullness of Grace. Tell us just a little bit about that apostolate, what you're doing. Right. It's called uh, Fullness of Grace, and you can find it on uh, the website, fullnessofgrace.org. I also have a YouTube channel. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. And it, it, it really is about our tagline is holiness for the glory of God. That's Fullness what I, of Grace. Right. And it's fullnessofgrace.org right. if they want to go on to that. Right. And then if you would like to actually get a copy of this book that we've been just touching the surface of, it's called The Imitation of Mary, and it's then the subtitle, Keys to Growth in Virtue and Grace. That comes through Sophia, so you can go to Sophia Institute Press and get it there, or you can, of course, go to Amazon, which carries it as well. And again, it's Father Quan Tran, Tran is the last name, T-R-A-N, and it's The Imitation of Mary. Put any of those search words in, and it'll come up. And you can get that. It's under $20, which makes it a bargain, especially. This is a 300-page book, and it's got 12 very deep, very well-reflected chapters, which we've been going through the highlights of some aspects of it. And in doing so, we have gotten through our love of neighbor. We talked a little bit, I don't want to say the downside or the negative part, but (laughs) abandonment to divine providence. And I was going to ask you how that's different from docility to God's will, this is more of a of an acceptance of things we don't particularly like as physical human beings, isn't it? Right. Here, I talk a lot about suffering because that's you know that's a big issue, and you know we we talked a little bit about it how God brings about a greater good out of suffering. So God is, and so we we need to realize, you know, even if we have a just one example, if we have a. a a bad relationship with somebody, if somebody is sinning against us, if somebody is harming us or hurting us, in a way, God can, is using them as, as his instrument. You know, he, this is what he says to St. Catherine of Siena, too, is to never, never judge the, the, the will of, of your neighbor, because you don't know why they do what they do. Or, or, and, and he also says this, they, they can very well be my instrument. I'm using them to help you to grow in virtue. So it doesn't mean God is doing an evil thing. No, but he But it does mean he can he's so big he can even work good when other people intend. Exactly. He allows us free will and a lot of times we abuse that free will and, and but but he can still bring good out of that. Uh virtue and graces and so on. And so and 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 we we can maintain this peace and this joy if we do abandon to divine divine providence because a lot of people as you know Rick are having a really hard time. They're miserable with COVID-19 and you know the 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 aftermath of the elections and and so on and so forth. You know people are miserable, depressed and angry and fearful. But once you've abandoned to divine providence, you know that everything is under God's control and everything will will, will work out. I mean, St. Paul also tells us, you know, all things will work for good for those who love God. Everything will work for good for those who love God. And this is a man who dealt with prison. He dealt with beatings. He was stoned once. <laughs> and if he could say that, we can say that. I recall that John Paul the Great, John, St. John Paul, 
the misericordia talked about the value of suffering. There, there's redemptive value in our joining our sufferings with Christ's sufferings. And if we lift them up, we can actually, Christ's sufferings are sufficient, but we can still join with them. And that enhances us. Absolutely. Their grace is involved in that. Absolutely. Yeah, I talk about three uh, values of suffering. The first is atonement for our sins. As you know, we, we are sinners. And so when, when we suffer, in, in a way, it takes time off our purgatory. In a way, it makes up for There's our... something cathartic, too. We, we know we did something wrong, and there's a part that if we can turn it toward that, it kind of gives explanation, if not expiation, for what we've done. Right. And the saints, you know, with humility, goes back to humility. You know, the saints, they, they accept their suffering joyfully because they know that they are sinners and, um, and they accept it because to make up for their sins. That, that's number one. The second thing is it purifies us. It makes us more like, like Jesus. It helps us to grow in virtue. And the third thing is redemptive, right? It has redemptive value. Um, you know, like Mother Teresa, we hear that uh, she suffered for like 50 years of her life. She felt like she was uh, abandoned, this this dark night of the soul. You know, she was already probably purified and, and made up for her sins already. So this part of suffering is redemptive. So not only for her, but for her community, for the world. So, yeah, so suffering is, is never a waste if, if we unite it to Christ in love and patience. That sounds an awful lot like the next chapter, Mortification. What is mortification? Is that essentially what you're talking about? It's a form. So abandonment to divine providence is we accept whatever comes our way, whatever cross comes our way, and, and we get many different and different crosses. But mortification is is an actively doing something, denying ourselves. Um, and this is, again, kind of foreign to our culture. Our culture really rarely talks about self-denial. Um, but because of our fallen human nature, we really do have to practice self-denial. Well, in a world of instant gratification, we don't like wearing hair shirts and beating ourselves with, with whips. But that's not necessarily what you're talking about. No, we don't have to go to that extreme. Of course, yeah, we have to be careful when it comes to mortification. Again, we have to conform to God's will. And so a lot of times, but I'm, I'm just talking about just simple self-denial. A lot of times, you know, we, we get annoyed when we don't get our way, yeah. right? And so we, we yeah, so th- again, that's an opportunity for self-denial. And as you know, during Lent and, and, a, and a little bit during Advent, too, is we, we are to practice forms of denial. Yeah. It's just like, for example, um, you know, during Lent, we don't eat meat on Fridays. And, and so we should incorporate this into our life. Otherwise, we, we're just going to just follow. We, we're just going to give in to our impulses and desires all the time. It's generally, the, the way that I heard it explained to me by a priest once was, it's not just self-denial. It's self-denial to better accomplish God's will. And it's, it's joined together with that. It's kind of like the parent who hears the, the baby cry at 2 o'clock in the morning and gets up to change the diaper, even though every ounce of her being says, just sleep. No, the, the the mother gets up. It's self-mortifying, but it's also to accomplish a greater good. And there's there are certain things in our lives that come that way naturally, and there are certain ways that we could steer ourselves so that we can better accomplish God's will, even at our own expense. Exactly. I think we do need to practice mortification in order to more fully do God's will. You know, because all these qualities, they complement each other. And uh, right, because with our fallen human nature, we tend to be very selfish and self-absorbed. And if we don't practice self-denial, then we're never going to be fully uh, be God's instrument. We're never going to be holy, which is your chapter 11, desire and efforts and holiness. So this is all leading toward a certain perfecting of our soul with God, the holiness that God is allowing us to have. Right. That's what he wants us to do. That's what this whole book is about. Um, you know, the, whole, the word holiness could very well appear in the title, uh, but that, you know, that's what it means to grow in virtue and grace is to become holy. And so I, I first talk about the desire. You know, scripture also tells us that it's God who, who puts the desire into our hearts and, and, and to do good. So again, it's all grace. And when we, uh, when we build on that desire, when we cultivate that desire, and it's called holy desires, and we, we grow in more and greater graces. And then, of course, we have to make an effort. Uh, we have to do our part, putting these things into practice, cultivating these virtues, cultivating these qualities. It's not easy. 
You know, I, I sometimes, I used to go to the gym once in a while, and whenever I go to the gym, I, I always see the same people there, regardless of the day and time. <laughs> They're there, it seems like, 24-7. You know, they, they work out religiously. They, I'm sure they eat right, and they take care of their bodies. Now, just imagine if they put in the same desire and effort for their soul, for the perfection of their soul. They would be great saints. They'd be super saints. And that's what, you know, St. Paul tells us, too, you know, to kind of leave it all on the field, right? He, he, he talks about racing, you know, run, run as to win. And, and he says, you know, a, a, um, an athlete has to deny himself all, time, all kinds of things to win a race, to, uh, to win an, a perishable crown. We, an imperishable crown, the crown of glory. So that's why, um, yeah, sanctity is not easy. I'm not saying it's, it, there's, a, there, there's a shortcut, but this, in a way, we have to do respond to God's grace. Your last chapter is on sacraments. And in a way, on the, on the one hand, you, a lot of people don't associate sacraments with Mary. But if you think about it, the only image you see during Advent is Mary pregnant. And that is sacrament in that in this physical world, we have God present with us, which is a roundabout way of defining a sacrament, the presence of God in our physical world come to us. Here's Mary bringing Jesus to us. Tell me about what you say about sacraments at the end of your book. Right. So, as you know, Jesus instituted the sacraments to bring us grace. Uh, they are uh, channels of grace. And we can imagine Mary, we, we know that Mary, you know, celebrated the breaking of bread with the early apostles, that they, that they celebrated the Eucharist. And so we can imagine how she celebrated the Eucharist uh, with her recollection, with her union, with her faith, with her gratitude, with her love and how she would listen to the Word of God, and then also how she would receive the Eucharist as well. And so when I talked about the sacraments, I talk about two main points, frequency and disposition. So we there are, there are a couple of sacraments that we can receive regularly, uh, frequently, as you know, uh, the Eucharist and, and confession. And so, and then I talk about the disposition because the catechism also tells us that the, the fruits of the sacraments depend in part on the dis disposition of the receiver. So if we receive uh, the sacraments with love, gratitude, union, and faith, and joy, then we, in a way, receive greater graces than if we were inattentive and, and ungrateful. Wow. Father Quan Tran, thank you so very much for coming in to, to share with us the highlights of what's in this wonderful book, more than 300 pages, The Imitation of Mary, through Sophia Press or through Amazon, The Imitation of Mary, Keys to Grow in Virtue and Grace by Father Quan Tran. Thank you so much. Father, would you please... Lead our listening audience in a word of prayer and your blessing. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We give you thanks, loving God, for all your goodness and for this opportunity to do this show about uh, the imitation of Mary. We give you thanks for giving us a perfect mother and model. Help us to open our hearts, to respond to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to look to, to Mary as our mother and our model, and to imitate her qualities, to learn from her, to love her, and honor her. And the more we do that, we honor you and glorify you and help us to practice these qualities so as to grow in the fullness of grace that you have in store for each one of us so that we may truly bring more goodness, holiness, and sanctity to our church and in our world. So may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Father Quan Tran, uh, who wrote the book, the new book that's come out, The Imitation of Mary, Keys to Growth in Virtue and Grace. That's available through Sophia Institute Press and through Amazon. If you would like to share this with other people, you can go to the podcast, which will be uh, posted shortly after its first broadcast, and that can be accessed through Orange County Catholic Radio, OC Catholic. OCCatholic.com, go to the radio tab, and under the radio tab, you'll find several shows. Ours is the lead flagship show, Orange County Catholic Radio, and under the podcasts, you'll be able to find this one, and you can send it or listen to it. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and may God richly bless us all in all ways. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. <laughs>